Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from Porto. I switched cities. I'm still in Portugal, but I went two, three hours north on the train. It's commonly referred to as Lisbon's little sister. If Lisbon is, say, like New York City, and I mean just in terms of hustle and bustle and such, Porto is kind of like Chicago. Chicago is often referred to as America's second city. I don't know if that means it's second to New York or because like the city burnt down in like the early 1900s and had to be rebuilt. Is it called the second city because of that or because of New York? I don't know, but comparison still stands. Lisbon is hustle, bustle, go, go, go like New York City. And it's it's not in the same way. But for Portugal, Lisbon is very similar and that it has many of the really good things that Lisbon has. It's just a teeny bit slower, a teeny bit smaller, but the architecture here, oh my God. Not that Lisbon doesn't have it, it does for sure, but everything is just packed together a little bit tighter here. So just taking a random walk, you just see like these gorgeous buildings with the tiled walls and these gorgeous cathedrals, old cathedrals. Everything still needs to be power washed, 
needs, quote and unquote. It does just fine the way it is. But also just these amazing views of the city. Like, I just was sort of walking aimlessly earlier today and just stumbled into like just some real beautiful shit. Just some some views that just made my mouth drop. Like just wow. And I literally have been around the world. It takes a lot to impress me sometimes. But Porto, just so far, so good. I got in last night and I did nothing. Something about being on the train just wore me out. And I checked into my hotel and it has one of the best beds. Remember I kept raving about the bed in Vienna and I was like, I didn't want to get out of bed some days. We're having the same situation. The bed here is... I'll tell you what the hotel is when I leave, but the bed is amazing. I didn't get out the bed today until 12, which is for the best because I was actually able to watch some really good TV this morning. I also had to do my hair. When did I talk to you all? On Tuesday? No, I recorded that like the middle of the night. It was still your Tuesday. Um, but when I finished recording and editing and got the pot in, I went to a beach club. It was the best. It was probably like 40 minutes from the city. Really cute space, really kind of like Bali vibes. But I just hung out at the beach club. I got, um, it wasn't a bed. They called it a pyramid, but really it was like a teepee with like a net thing. I don't know. I was worried that it didn't have a direct sun cover and that I was going to roast in the sun. But the woman was like, no, trust me, you'll be good. Didn't lie. It's probably like 87 outside and there was this nonstop, just constant, really heavy breeze. I'm super tan. I haven't been this tan in a really long time. And I had the foresight to like put my hands above my head when I took like a little mini nap. And so now like the outside of my arms are like really brown, but the inside isn't dumb light. I got like, you know, cooked on both sides. I used my sun spray. I did just lay out with no protection. And definitely put it on my face. I'm super paranoid about like fucking up my face with sunspots and wrinkles. It does happen to black people. Had a beautiful day. My hair, isn't it all black women's stories? My hair looked crazy. I didn't pull it back. Like it was just free. And so it got wind whipped and it was just standing on top of my head. It was beautiful, but it's just, you know, a lot of hair and it was just everywhere. Right now it's pulled back in a bun. That's where it's going to stay, I think for the duration of this trip. I don't have enough hair supplies. I have just enough, I think, for like a good twist out, but I don't wanna risk it in case I don't have enough for a good twist out. And then my hair gonna look crazy. And then I'm gonna end up putting it back in a bun anyway. So I was like, let me just leave it where it is. It looks fine. But after the beach, I went to, there's this really cute restaurant. It's an adventure to get there, but it's across from Lisbon. I can't remember the name of the city. It starts with an A, but it's this place called Port Final. It's this riverside Portuguese restaurant that does authentic traditional dishes. Um, and the wait is crazy. Like that's the place I tried to go to on my birthday. And they were like, sorry, we only do like one feeding. Actually, they do two feedings, but you have to get there before seven o'clock when the restaurant opens and wait in line because they are booked with reservations until October 5th like to remind you, it's it's still July. We're still mid-July. If you show up before seven, they'll put you on the wait list. The guy at the front promises, we will feed you dinner. I got there at 6.45 because I was like, oh, okay, like be there before seven. The line was easily, I would say like 100, 150 people deep. It went down an alleyway and then turned up some stairs. I got there at seven. I didn't get dinner until... 10. 
it wasn't the worst thing. Like you go to the bar, you get a drink, and then you go sit on this, I guess it's a cliff, but it's overlooking the beach and the water. So you have your cocktail and you watch the sun and eventually they call your name and feed you your dinner as promised. But I say it's an adventure because to get there, even coming from the beach, so I was already on like that side of the river. I still had to like walk down like this pathway for like eight minutes. And then when I was done to get back to Lisbon, I had to walk down this, not a dark alley, but it was kind of dark. There were other people though, so I wasn't freaked out. But it's like right by the water. So you got to walk for like 10 minutes um, and then catch a ferry back to Lisbon um, and then walk to my hotel. It was a good last supper in Lisbon. And then on Thursday, I was going to take an early train to Porto um, and just check my bags at the desk and go wander into the city. So I had like a full day here, but I pushed my train in order to go back to the palace I was telling you about, the one where I dropped my phone. The place was so beautiful and it was absolutely killing me that I had lost all the pictures from that day. It was one of my favorite excursions, if you will, during my time in Lisbon. And it was just, it was driving me nuts. So I went back, I took the train back out there and it was much easier this time. Like before I took a train and it was like a train to a bus. And then this time, Google Maps told me to get off at another location. It was a train stop past the first one. And so I got off the train and I was trying to find the bus and I was walking, walking. And I was like, this all feels familiar. Like I've never been here before, but it feels like I have. Remember I told you I didn't have cash. I had to leave the cafe by the castle and go find an ATM. The train station was a block up from the ATM. And I was like, all that hassle that I went through to get here the first time, I really could have just walked literally in a straight line for 10 minutes and been at the castle. Yes. So got to the castle, got my pictures, got my video, didn't take a selfie. I had my selfie stand and I was like, you know what? I just don't really want to pull my phone out here. And then I was going to take an Uber back, but there is this specific tram line. It's called Tram 28 that allegedly goes through all these great neighborhoods in Lisbon, but then also takes you by like a lot of like beautiful architecture. And I hadn't been on a tram, like trams in Lisbon are like a thing. So I had the Uber drop me off at the end of the tram line. And then I took the tram back into the city. I'd actually tried to get on the tram that morning. I start at the beginning of the line and I got there, I want to say probably like 930 and it was like 250 people in line. I had heard that Europe was full in summer and tourist season here is crazy. And I was like, oh, how bad could it be? Like I used to live in New York, like, but I wasn't trying to do a bunch of tourist stuff. But yeah, it was 250 people deep. The tram comes every 10 minutes and it takes approximately 30 people. And I was like, yo, with these numbers, you know, I do, I do decent math in my head. I was like, I'll be out here for two hours. And I was like, let me just go on out to this castle or this palace and then try to catch it into the line. And even when I tried to catch it at the end of the line, there was, I would probably say like 30, 40 people because one tram came and left and then I had to catch the second tram. I got a seat though. So I took the tram through the city, which kind of feel like they oversold it a little bit, but it was an experience. And <laughs> this probably was the best part of my trip and it was such a random thing. I told you Lisbon got like hella black people, right? This girl was walking down the street and I saw her from the back and she had a real big fro and my hair was out that day. So my hair was still, this is the day after the beach. My hair was still out and it was looking crazy. I'm sitting in the window seat for the tram 
and the tram goes by and she looks up. I see her and she sees me and she points to my hair and smiles. And I shake my hair and point back to her and smile. And it was just a moment. And we both just sort of like laughed. And then the tram kept moving and she kept walking. And that was it. And I was like, yo, moments like this, I don't even know if she speaks English. I don't speak a word of Portuguese. But like two black girls with big hair have a random bonding moment. I don't know. It's the simple things that bring me joy. And that was one of them. But yeah, but I got back to the hotel. The hotel had the best sangria. I stayed at Amalusa. I don't think I said that before because I was still staying there, which is maybe like a block up from the water. The hotel restaurant was freaking amazing. I had to stop myself from eating there every meal. But every night when I came back from my hotel, I would get a sangria. They had these really gigantic glasses of sangria with a cinnamon stick, which I think is like the secret ingredient to like taking sangria from like an eight to a 10. But just strawberries, oranges, the wine, and the cinnamon stick. But every day when I would get back to the hotel, I would have a glass of sangria to take up to my room. So like my final act was to get a glass of sangria at the hotel. And then I got my bags and went to the train station and headed on up to Porto. Good day. Good times. I really, really like it here. And I have a big day planned out tomorrow. I'm going to the other side of the bridge. There's like wine cellars, a cellar. Not S-E-L-L-E-R-S, like cellar, C-E-L-L-A-R-S. So I want to go to a wine cellar. They have, um, what are those things called? Cable cars. They have a cable car that runs over that side of the city. It should have amazing views of Porto. And I also just want to run the waterfront and run over the bridge, the lower bridge. They have lots of bridges here. Yes, I do plan workouts into my vacation. I actually enjoy working out. I've become one of those people. It's weird. I feel weird. Like my body feels off if I don't walk like, I don't know, minimum three, four miles a day. Like my body's used to it. It's like, what are, what are we doing? We're not moving? Like, why are we not moving? We're, we move. That's what we do now. I'm like, okay. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. But this morning, before I left the hotel, because I laid in bed until 12 o'clock, I got to watch Survival of the Thickest. We talked about it before. I remember trying to remember Michelle Botu's name. She's one of the wives from First Wives Club, and she's like the funny wife. Not that they all didn't have their comedic moments, but I think she was the funniest wife. But she has her own show on Netflix, Survival of the Thickest, based on her book. I don't know how many episodes it is. I think I probably watched three or four of them this morning, but it's really, really good. Without giving anything away, it's based in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights, if they're still calling it that. The cross streets are three or four blocks up from where I used to live. So far, it's very true to New York. She hits all the right notes. She captures the energy of New York really well. What do I want to say without giving it away? She's a 38-year-old fashion stylist who is single for the first time in five years. She gets a roommate who is obsessed with olive oil. Don't ask, just watch. And has a cat named Cocaine. (laughs) The cat's white. And I was like, that's actually kind of brilliant. I don't want to give too much away. But it's really good. It's a fun watch. And I haven't watched the whole thing. 
some of it goes a little too far. One of my really good friends, also a fashion stylist, Warrie Vice, likes to talk about the very fine line between ornate and gaudy. She does something very similar. She does a lot with the show and it goes right up to the line of ornate. And occasionally it crosses over into like it's doing too much. It crosses over into the gaudy side, but not too often. But it's fun. It's funny. I had real laugh out loud moments watching it. So I'm looking forward to finishing that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I got up this morning and washed my hair. I have shampoo and conditioner with me. I decided to try to do like a wash and go. I don't know what I was thinking with all this damn hair. Like it would take forever to dry. And it's not really that hot here in Porto. And it wasn't sunny today. It rained. But midway through, I realized this is stupid. And this is not going to end well. You're going to look crazy by the end of the day. I took forever like conditioning my hair, finger combing through it, making sure like it had enough product on everything. And I was like, you know what? There's not enough product. You don't have enough product. You have to work with the limitations that you had. The upside, though, was that I got to watch Sex in the City 2. Y'all, I don't really think I like this show. I like the characters, most of them, not Che and Miranda. I like the nostalgia. I like being in New York again. I like the fashion. But overall, like, there's more things that I dislike about the show than I actually like. I was one of those people who was like really excited for it to come back, you know, because I was recapping it for season one. But there were a very loud contingent of people who were like, we don't need this. Leave it where it is. You're about to ruin a good thing. We already suffered through the two just okay movies. And now you're trying to bring the show back 25 years later. Let it be. And I was like, no. First season wasn't so bad for me. I saw all the people complaining about Che. And I was like, oh, Che's not that bad. This season, it's not even really Che, I realized the other day. It's Miranda. I don't like Che, but I don't like who Miranda has become with Che. Che is a complete fuck day. And I'm not really sure she even really actually likes Miranda. But Miranda's desperation for her is just... You know how you talk about, like, you know, the first time you have sex with somebody, you have, like, this soul tie attachment to them. Does Miranda not realize that there are other days who will date her after Che? I kind of feel like that's what the attraction is. It's like this is the first person that she's dated who is not a man. And so now that she has Che, she feels like this is the only person that will want her or have her or be interested in her. It's her first non-binary relationship. She just can't see that there are other possibilities beyond Che. That's the only way this kind of makes sense. I'm real big on not being like, aren't you too old for this shit? Because really, people are just who they are. Like The older I get, like that's just something I realize. Like, if you do your self-work, then, you know, you become the, I don't know, mature adult person that you're supposed to do. Some people do their work. Some people don't. Some people do their work and are just still like, you know, goofballs because that's just who they are. So I hate to be like, you know, ma'am, you're too old for this shit. 
Maybe Miranda's not too old for this shit. Maybe Miranda just has been weirdly desperate all along and I just didn't notice it. The idea of like, you're a grown ass woman who likes sleep, but you're with someone and staying at their house and they're partying until 3.30 and 4 in the morning. They like to sleep until the afternoon. You like to be up at 7 and you're getting up from their house in Manhattan to go back to Brooklyn to play happy family. Like, ma'am, if you don't get your own damn place. And now she's moving in with Naya. And I'm like, ma'am, you're a grown ass woman. You can't sublet a place. They ain't got no Airbnbs you could pay for while Steve gets his shit together and moves out the house. Which is a whole separate thing. Miranda feels bad about kicking Steve out because she's the one that wants out of the marriage. Steve was like, I mean, we just all right, but we could do this forever. I'm good. And she's like, no, that's okay. Like he was like, I'm going to find a place. It's taking him forever to find a place. You know, New York real estate. I don't think he's dragging his feet, but Miranda's on some real, like I have to, because I feel like I'm the one who destroyed and like, you know, I have to keep my mouth shut. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because I guarantee you, if the shoe was on the opposite foot, Steve would be like, yeah, it's real inconvenient for you, but um, my convenience matters more. So you need to go figure it out. Thanks. I will never forget this episode of Iyanla, Fix My Life. It was one of the early episodes, probably season one, season two. But this woman was in a really bad marriage. I think her husband was like rampantly cheating on her. Might have had outside kids, as in plural. And Iyanla was like, why are you here? Because you, you can't possibly want to be here because the disrespect is so loud. The man has made it clear he don't want you no more. But why are you here? And so she was like, well, I have to do X because if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And this whole place will fall apart. And she was like, then let it fall apart. And she was like, here's the thing, though. It won't. She was like, you sitting up here saying, well, how's it going to get done? If I don't do it, it'll get done or it won't. But why do you feel like you have to do it? She was like, I guarantee you, if you stop doing it, he will either do it himself or he will go find somebody else who will. But he'll be all right one way or another. He's a grown ass man. Steve is a grown ass man. Miranda's flopping herself from one side of New York City to the other, trying to convenience that man. And now sleeping on a twin size bed as a 50 something year old woman. I'd be damned. I'd be damned. King me or nothing else. <laughs> I was adamant about that. When I got my new place, when I moved to LA, I was like king size. I want a king size bed. We grown ass woman sleeping on a twin size bed. And it's not like it's a financial thing. Ma'am, you were a partner at a law firm. You ain't saved none of that money. None of it. You better sell that damn house in Brooklyn and get you a decent bed to sleep on. <sighs> Carrie's storyline was okay this week. I thought it had the energy of the old sex in the city. Seema's did too. I like Seema. This really, this could be a show about Seema, Carrie, Professor Nod. They don't know what they're doing with her. I'd like her as a character, but they're not. Her storyline is terrible. Nicole Ari Parker, she was barely on this week. Charlotte, they don't know what the hell to do with Charlotte. They did okay last week with Harry not ejaculating, but a whole storyline this week about the kid being a Ralph Lauren model. And Harry putting on a wig. I was like, y'all are out of storylines. The well is dry. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. I watched that. I thought to call it terrible. It's actually an amazing show. It's just stressful as hell. Hijack with Idris Elba. It comes on every Wednesday. They were doing Tuesdays for a minute and now it's every Wednesday. That show stresses me the fuck out. Like my heart starts beating fast when I'm watching the show. I am way too concerned about the people on this goddamn plane. And also trying to figure out, like, what exactly do the hijackers want? We're going into episode five and we don't know. That said, obviously I'm talking around the show because everybody hasn't watched yet. It's an amazing show. You have to watch it. But it's so stressful. This most recent episode, and I'm not giving anything away other than to say Romania is about that life. That was the craziest shit. And they were like, Romania, like you, you can't do this thing that y'all are about to do. And Romania was like, the fuck we can't. Don't believe me. Just watch with Usher fingers. Watch this. <laughs> but somebody told me about the hostage demands. I had my usual flip out online after I watched the episode. And somebody was like, if you look closely, if you pause the screen, you can see the list of demands. The woman wouldn't tell me what they were. And I was like, oh, okay, let me make time to go back and do that. Because I actually am way too invested in this show to the point that I will go rewatch an entire episode, even though I could fast forward and just get to see what the, just get to the part with the hostage man. No, I want to rewatch the entire episode and be stressed out. Like I haven't watched it already and know exactly how it ends. I'm in an abusive relationship with the TV show. It's so good. I have like half my timeline watching it on like all my timelines because the most recent episode when I did the recap, people were like, I'm watching this show stressed out, got my cortisol levels raised over your dumb ass. You introduced me to this shit because I was like, this bullshit is all the captain's fault. He never should have opened the door. He should have just let the terrorists kill people. They have protocol for a reason. And they were like, no, 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 the captain, the captain is the reason that the passengers are in jeopardy. The reason everyone else is stressed the fuck out is you, sis, you, you told us to watch this shit. And I was like, I mean, I did. I did. I wanted other people to be as stressed out as I am. Like, you know, 
What they tell me last week when I was telling Kiki Palmer and I was like, sis, things aren't good. They were like, you're single. You're miserable. Misery loves company. I was like, y'all just want her to be miserable in y'all's company. Y'all want her to be booed up and miserable as opposed to y'all's quote unquote single and miserable. It's like she could do bad by herself. I tell you people, starfish sleep and waking up knowing for certain no one is going to publicly embarrass you today is a really beautiful feeling. I've been on both sides at this point. I promise you, both sides of the equation have their shortcomings. Neither is perfect. Sitting up with the fuck boy versus starfish sleep. There's no comparison. Jesus. A happy, healthy relationship is one thing. Being with somebody who's fucking up the church's money, publicly embarrassing you, you know. Y'all will learn, or you won't. Is there anything else going on? I don't even know what good black news is this week. I have really haven't been online like that, other than to, you know, stream my shows. I saw the actors are going on strike along with the writers, which they need to. It's about to be a shit show, though. In six months, because like all the good TV and film, can't nobody write it and can't nobody act in it. We about to be dry. Or last time there was a writer's strike was the huge rise of reality TV. Because technically they don't have writers, although they do. I don't know what the workaround for that is. Maybe they call them story editors. Reality TV is absolutely scripted. It's just scripted in a different way. There's no scripts per se, but it's, you know, it's thought out beat by beat. None of it is just happenstance. It's all meticulously planned out, like with storyboards and the whole nine yards, even if the participants aren't aware. And I have a bunch of friends, obviously, that are writers and a bunch of friends that are obviously actors. And them motherfuckers is on the picket lines. It's like, I know what writers can't do. You can't take meetings. You can't write, obviously. Like, you can do your, you can do your own personal stuff, but you can't write for TV shows. You can't pitch. The actor stuff is like really intense. I saw a list. Okay, so actors, they can't do tours. They can't do personal appearances. No interviews, which I was like, how do magazines function right now? They're just going to interview musicians, I guess. They can't do conventions, no fan expos, no festivals. Obviously, they can attend. They just can't do paid opportunity work. No panels, no premieres or screenings, no award shows. So the Emmys are supposed to be coming up. I think that's a wrap. No press junkets, no podcast appearances. Back to interviews. They can't be interviewed for podcasts. Social media. So they can be on social media, obviously, but they can't use their social media to promote any projects. And then no studio showcases. Think in terms of TV upfronts where all the actors show up to promote the new upcoming season of blah, blah, blah. That can't happen either. So like the industry basically between no writers and no actors, there is no industry right now. There's directors. The directors, their contract was up maybe like a month ago, six weeks ago, something like that. The directors folded. There was at one point a thought that the the writers, the directors, and the actors, all their contracts were coming up at the same time. And the directors would stand in solidarity with the writers because you can't direct a film that hasn't been written. But the directors were like, kind of like, fuck y'all. And then the actors are like, no, they're in solidarity with the writers. But, you know, their contract or their offers for their contract were shit too. So they were like, no, we're not doing this shit. I was reading about the terms, at least for the actors and the writers, on the Washington Post. 
a lot of it revolves around artificial intelligence. Hollywood studios, streamers are like, yes, AI is amazing and we should be able to use it and we should use it for writers and we should use it for actors. And basically it makes everything really, really cheap. You don't have to hire people anymore or deal with people anymore. And obviously the writers and the actors are like, no, we're not agreeing to this to basically make our jobs obsolete. There was one specific term that everyone was balking at, even people who are not in the industry. So the idea was they want background actors like and, and just pay them as background actors. For you to agree to be a background actor, you're going to agree to use your likeness for AI in perpetuity, and we're never going to pay you. So basically, you're just eliminating your job. I think the other important thing to remember with the um, with the actors and the writers, too, is most of the people whose names, you know, as writers and actors are people who are at the top of their profession and they make a shit ton of money. But they're probably only like one to two percent of the entire industry. The vast majority of actors and writers are not making Shonda Rhimes money and they're not making, I don't know, Lena Waithe money or who's like the biggest movie star, The Rock money. They're not making tens of millions or even millions, even a hundred thousand. I think I read the average salary for a writer in Hollywood was something like $70,000, which might sound like decent money if you don't live in a major metropolitan city. But LA is one of the most expensive cities in the country. 70,000 don't really go that far in LA. 70000 you might have a one-bedroom, maybe. That's more like studio money if you want to live decent. L.A. is just expensive as fuck. And then I want to say for the actors, the median was something like 49000 The actors are making even less than the writers. So it's not like a bunch of millionaires, you know, complaining that they're not getting paid enough. It's a bunch of middle-class working people on some like, I need to actually be able to earn money in this industry to live. And money is the other big issue. The rise of streamers and the shortening of TV seasons. I keep reading about the TV heyday in the 90s, and they keep making reference to Friends that a season of Friends used to run, I think they said 23 or 24 episodes. So you would have writers working for the majority of the year, eight to 10 months on a show. Actors also, you'd be working for most of the year on these episodes. Now with streamers, I think the average episode count is something like eight or 10. So people are working less and they're also scrambling for work multiple times a year. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot. For obvious reasons, I stand with the writers. I stand with the actors. I can't be on the picket lines. I'm not in the country. I'm also not a member of WGA or SAG. SAG because I'm not an actress. I got a letter to I appeared in Don't Waste Your Pretty, but also I got it before that because the voiceover work, when I was doing the commercials for Pantene, it was considered acting. Um, but I was like, this isn't a steady thing. Like, I don't need to sign up for it. And the dues are a lot. So I was like, this isn't like a steady thing. Like I'm a behind the camera person. I didn't get an official writing gig until I was overseas. That's the only reason I'm not a part of WGA. If I was still in the country, I would be. But obviously with the actors with the writers. I saw something the other day. It was like a studio exec. They could they could do negotiations in good faith and wrap up 
the strike sooner than later. But at this point, they're mad at the writers for striking. The quote was something about they want to extend the strike until the writers can't pay their rent or something like that. And I was like, yo, business is so grimy. I also saw this completely tone deaf interview with Bob Iger, He's the head of Disney. He was the head of Disney and then he left and then Disney went to shit and they brought him back and was like, fix us. He did this interview. He got paid. And this was one particular year. It was a fluke because of his stock. He had paid something like $270 million in one year. But usually he makes around $40 million a year. That's like his regular. <laughs> $40 million a year. So he's like, for obvious reasons, the face of what's wrong with studios and the money. I saw this meme that said like the average writer makes like, I don't know, this, that's what the 69000 that I mentioned. And they were like, you know, writers make 69000 a year and Bob Iger makes... They say it was $75,000 a day. And so he did this interview and he was talking about like the writers are being unrealistic and what they're asking for. And he didn't specifically say what it was, but it all boils down to money. But he was like, but how does somebody who makes $75,000 a day tell somebody who makes that in a year? And that's still above the national average. But how do you tell these people that they're being unrealistic? The Disney publicist probably should have had better foresight on that because now he looks like a pariah. <sighs> oh, well. Rich white men problems. I'll never have them. At least the white man part. I hope to get to the rich part someday. I guess I need to write this book. <sighs> or sell this show, which I can't. In the current environment. That's a whole separate story, though. All right. That's the episode. Do we just talk about TV and film the entire episode? I love it. And travel. All my favorite things. Well, there's one missing. That's not the point. The point is, that's the episode for today. And I'll be back next week. I got to take a break at some point. I don't know when that's going to be. But because I didn't get it this time, it's probably going to be longer next time. I need to focus on a couple things. I can't do it and do the podcast at the same time. But whole nother story. We'll discuss it. Maybe never, but maybe at another time. I don't know. All right. Talk next week. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.